Thanks so much for leading us in song. Uh, as they came here, there was football. People were just smashing each other. That's what you do in football, right? And uh, they got on here and were able to practice and prepare. And just thank you guys for leading us in song. That was, that was great. It's not in a church plant. We don't know what ideal conditions are. We just we work with what we got. And we're thankful to the Lord for that. Uh, but for a, a, a team to come in, in the midst of that, and once the football team gets off, we quickly set up and appreciate what you guys just did leading us in song. The kids are anxiously waiting. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our kids to Chillin's ministry. <laughs> if you have a Bible, I'd like to just uh, lead us in prayer and Philippians 4, uh, 4 to 7, if you want to turn there with me. Pray for the, the peace of God. I don't know if, if anyone here needs the peace of God in their life. I know I do every day and every moment. And sometimes I, I look elsewhere and, and peace is gone. And so I, I just pray, I'm going to pray this for all of us here, that we continue to walk in the peace of the Lord. Starting in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to bow with me as I, as I pray. Lord, we do, we rejoice in you. We always want to rejoice in you. I pray even this uh, message that I share from your word would help us to rejoice in you more. God, we, but we come before you and we, we just confess, I confess on behalf of everyone, Lord, we are anxious. We are anxious at times. We do. We take our eyes off you. We look to the world. We look for other solutions. Lord, forgive us. But even in our anxiety, you just, you call us to go to you in prayer. Lord, I, I pray uh, protection for uh, the dome. I pray, Lord, for all the, the sports that go on here. You continue to bless uh, the work of their hands, training athletes. Lord, I I'm, we're so thankful for this space to meet. I pray, Lord, that you continue to build this body of believers. I pray you would bless the churches in Red that are proclaiming your word, uh, that you would draw more people uh, to yourself in Red at this time. Lord, we're, we're so thankful for the freedom we have here. We're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your spirit. We're th so thankful for the beauty of creation. Uh, that you give us eyes to see. Lord, again, I, I just pray as I, I preach uh, this evening that you would increase our eyesight, that we would see uh, more clearly your handiwork everywhere, and it would actually help us to lift our minds, lift our eyes up to you with greater thankfulness. And Lord, in the times that we live, I pray especially that your peace would reign in our hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would truly have the peace of Christ. We would have the joy of the Lord in us. 
bubbling over, no matter what happens. Lord, something from you, a gift of the Spirit. Lord, we ask for your peace in our lives, in our minds, to bring us calmness. Lord, I pray that for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in your Bible, if you want to turn to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, this evening, this evening we're going to be looking at um, verses 6 to 19 in, in a moment. Last week, we looked at one day, uh, uh, just one day, 20, and I, and I really kind of hammered down a point. I said, this is a literal 24-hour day. It, oh, over and over again, I, I wanted to make it abundantly clear. And the, maybe the question is like, well, why? why? Why does it matter? I think it matters, one, because the scripture is so clear. And so we want to be honest with what the text says. And, and, and the thing is, I want to teach the Word of God clearly. And if it's clear in the text, I want to present that to you as clearly as possible. But I think, I, I read in Genesis 1, God spoke the world into existence in six days. Amen. Like, that's amazing. That's a miracle. And I believe that. And I think it is effective if you start to believe in Genesis 1. Then when you come to other miracles in the Bible, can you say, Amen, Hallelujah, that's how it happened. How, how God, as he took the Hebrews out of Egypt and ten plagues, this miraculous hand of God, and then when he led them in the desert, he fed them with manna for 40 years, and their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out, and fed them with manna and brought water from a rock. That's the, that's the God who spoke the world into existence in six days. And then as it say if you jump to the New Testament, and you're like, what? I read of, of five loaves and two fish. And he fed 5,000 men and, and women and children. I'm like, amen. That's a God who spoke the world into existence in six days. And then you, and then you get to the, the crux of the matter, the crucifixion, the burial in the grave, and the resurrection. And we serve the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's a miracle after miracle after miracle. This is the God we serve. And so I, 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 I will believe, I believe what the text says. I think it's clear. And as we're looking at this passage, as we're going through Genesis 1 to 11, the focus is on creation. It's, it's not on like disproving evolution. Though I, I will keep showing you kind of what the text of the scriptures say, and I'll give you helpful points to have that conversation with people. Like something I want to keep showing out that, or showing again and again, is simple things don't become more complex. Doesn't matter how much time you have. You could have your cereal in a cupboard next to the milk in the fridge. Give it millions of years. Those, there's not going to be a bowl. It's not going to get poured in there. It's, it's just not going to happen. We're way more complicated than cereal, milk, and a bowl. So even as we're as we're going through, I just want to point out there's lots of great resources out there on creation, science, and dating. 
We'll talk about that more in the future. There's answers in Genesis website. There's got questions. Another website. There's a Dino Museum in Innisfil. I don't know if anyone's been there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with everything it has to say, but as you go and play mini golf, you can look at like how science proves biblical creation. See, if you want to go play mini golf, uh, go check out the Dino Museum. And there's, a, there's another, there's a brother, he's not here with us this evening. His daughter was helping lead us in worship, but Vance Nelson, and he has a ministry, Untold Secrets of Planet Earth. He's written like, I think, four or five books. He's writing a sixth one. So there's all these like resources we can tap into if we want to continue to study further how science actually backs up what the scripture has to say. I'll continue to bring that in front of you, but I really want to focus primarily on the text. That being said, I, I hope this, this evening, as we look at days two, to two, three, and four in creation, we'll have an increasing fear and reverence of God. Like awesome, like the way the word used to be used, like awe, like your mouth opens wide in terms of our creator. And I pray as we look at creation, it will will add our faith as we gaze on what God has done, thinking about creation in Genesis. I pray it will give us joy. I pray, pray it will give us thankful hearts and, and lead us to praise towards God. If you, if you want to stand with me as we read, as I read Genesis 1, uh, 6 to 19. It's the beginning of the second day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great, great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. May God bless his word to our souls this evening. You can have a seat. As we go through these day two, day three, day four, continue to note the repetition. God said it was so. God saw it was good evening and morning. So we see here a second day, Genesis 1, 6 to 8. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. 
God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. So what, what was made on the second day? There's actually a lot of ink spilled kind of describing what happened here on the second day. Is the expanse the ozone layer? Is it the atmosphere? They, some used to hold to is a canopy of water that, that fell down when the earth was flooded. The word expanse, this is from commentator Victor Hamilton. He said this, the basic meaning of the noun expanse actually is determined by the use of the verb expanse later on in scripture. Right here is the basic idea to spread out, specifically the spreading out of the earth at creation. Psalm 136.6, Isaiah 42.5 uses it, or the spreading out of the sky, Job 37.18. We see this in other places of scripture, kind of using the same phrase, uh, Jeremiah 10.12. Jeremiah says this, it is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. God stretched out the heavens, like stretched out the space. I believe he's talking about like outer space. And you think about how big and how vast that is, that God put the expanse into the sky. And even as, as we think about this, it's, it's a little confusing. There's another psalm that helps us have some understanding. Psalm 141 Verse 4, it says, Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Like, what does that mean that there's heavens and there's water? There's heavens. And, and thinking through this, I, I think it's helpful as if we understand there's, in Jewish thought, there's like three levels of heavens. Right? There, there's like, there's the sky or the atmosphere, the heavens. Then there's outer space. It would be like the second heavens. And then there's a place where God dwells. That would be the third heaven. That's what Paul, in his letter in, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2, talks about. He talks about being drawn up to the third heaven. So I believe that this in Genesis is talking about God creating uh, the actual outer space. And there's water in between outer space and the sky. I don't know if that's our atmosphere, but it seems to me as I, as I look through Scripture, that's kind of what's being said here. I believe God is preparing the canvas, outer space, on which he's going to continue to work in on day four, if you will. Again, notice, uh, as he says, he, um, he calls the expanse heaven. He, he names it. He has an authority over it. And notice, again, the pattern of evening and morning. But one thing you maybe won't notice, he doesn't say it's good. In, in day one, he says it's good. In day three, he says it's good twice. So it's like he's actually not finished with what he's doing. But the day is finished, and I want to keep pointing this out to you. When it says uh, the second day, in Hebrew, it actually says a second day. Because the first day is like there was evening, there was morning, one day. They're defining what one day is. The next second day, there's evening, there's morning, a second day. And the reason it's significant, again, is because when you get to day six, that's when you get the article, the. The sixth day. There's something different going on in the sixth day that the Hebrew highlights. So I'm just going to keep pointing that out to you, and that'll make a really big deal when we get to the sixth day. So look at, look at the third day. 
Genesis 1, 9 to 13 with me. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good. Oceans and the seas and the land. Before this time, it seemed that water was covering over everything. Like there was land there, but if you just think, you know, the earth is 70% water, so it seems like water was actually the main thing coming over everything. Again, I quoted this last week, but 2 Peter 3, 5 would, would help us here. The heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. But so God separates the water and the land. He talks about this in his scripture in Job, in Job 38, verse 5. It says this, who determined its measurements? This is God talking to Job. Surely you knew, you know, or who stretched the line upon it? Verses 8 to 11 in Job 38. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds, its garments, and thick darkness, its swaddling band, and prescribed, prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors. God's asking Job, like, do you know? Were you there? Think about how amazing, how powerful God is. It says in Jeremiah 5, 22, this about God and what he did with the water. Jeremiah or the Lord speaking through Jeremiah, he says this, Do you not fear me, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble before me? I place the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. Interesting, Jeremiah begins, Do you not fear me? Do you not tremble before me, the one who told the waves where they can go and can go no further? So the thing is, as we continue to see who God is as creator... The one who said, hey, the land is here and the water is here. That should actually cause us to reverence him more, to actually fear to bow down before him. I don't know if any of you ever go to the beach and try to build sandcastles, a moat. I always try to build like a big uh, hole of water <laughs> and then try to release it. But the, the water doesn't stay. Right? God said, hey, the water, can only, water goes over here and it's not going here. He created the boundaries. And we try to take the water and try to put it somewhere else like it doesn't listen at all. But think about this, how God created the land and the water, the ocean, the seas. I don't know if any of you love to play in the ocean. What an amazing thing that is uh, to jump into the ocean waves. But, you know, you can stand outside on the sand. The water's not coming to you. You got, you got to go into it because it can only go as far as God said. He set the limits on it. That's an amazing thing to think about. And again, he, he named this creation of verse 10. He named the dry land earth. The waters together, they, he called seas. Seas meaning a natural body of water contrasting land. And what did he say about this? Again, this part of creation, God saw that it was good. So again, when he kind of started on day two when he created the heavens and put water in between the expanse and water below the expanse, and now God separated the water and the land and saw that it was good. 
because God makes everything good. And look, look again at verse 11, continuing on day three. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And now some people see here in the text, they see maybe two things. Others see three. I think it is three things. Vegetation is one. Plants yielding seed, one. And fruit trees, the third. Another commentator, uh, using the words a little differently, he sees three. Henry Morris, he says the term grass is intended to include all spreading ground-covering vegetation. Herbs, the second one, includes all bushes and shrubs. Trees includes all large woody plants, including even fruit-bearing trees. And just think about this, that first part, vegetation or, or green grass or green things that covers all the ground. One commentator, our Sarfati, said this, Green plants have a vital role to play in our ecosystems. They are the basis of the food chain because they don't require their own food but make it from water and carbon dioxide energized by the sun and photosynthesis. So think about that like food for animals created on the ground. Think all about this, like the trees and the plants. Just think about how amazing trees are, like large trees. I don't know if anyone has ever went on the hike in Lake Louise or to the mountains uh, during September when the large trees change color, like yellow and orange. How amazing is that? We got our, our pine trees, the amazing smell that we smell at Christmas time. We got maple trees and, and the huge leaves that come off it. And you could name tree after tree after tree. And just think, when God made the tree, he made them mature. Like if you cut them, if you chop them down, there'd be no growth rings. I don't know if anyone has ever planted uh, trees in the summertime where they took the time. I, I remember people did that in college. They're like, yeah, you can make all this money and you, little seedlings. And they just like grueling labor. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that, that was worth it. But either way, they planted little trees. I don't like when God made the trees, he made them mature right away. And look, look at verse 12 as he made these wonderful things. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and tree bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. Just highlight that, each according to its kind. Commentator Henry Morris says this, whatever precisely is meant by the term kind, it does not indicate the limitations of variation. Each organism was to reproduce after its own kind, not after some other kind. So just, just think about this, even like kids in our midst, if you guys can answer this question, what, what do you get if you plant an apple seed in the ground? Can anyone answer that? That's a big kid back there. I saw, I saw. Yeah, an apple tree. And what, what happens if you, and I'm assuming, plant an orange seed, because we don't have oranges, but if it's an orange seed, what kind of tree would you get? An orange tree. Just, just think about this for a moment. What if millions of years went by? And you planted apple seed, apple seed, apple, would it ever become an orange seed or an orange tree? It wouldn't become a different type of fruit. It doesn't matter how much time you went by. Another, another comment about this, this is interesting. Morris says this, many plants require pollination by insects. But insects were not made until the sixth day of creation, which in fact argues against the possibility that days of creation could have been long ages. Just something to consider. Verse, verse 12, God saw that it was good. 
when he made uh, vegetation, when he made trees that bear fruit. Just think about this. We have a biblical precedent to eat our vegetables, right? And all the parents said, amen, maybe, I don't know. Think, just think about just different type of vegetables. I don't know. Do you guys, when we were in Haiti, a fresh avocado off the tree was the most amazing thing. And here I'm like, I, I don't know. It's not the same. But that green color inside. I don't know if anyone, like carrots, but carrots from Innisville Growers. I don't know if anyone's there. I shouldn't tell you guys the secret about these carrots. Like, they're like candy. And after you eat those things, because they're like real carrots, it's not the same eating ones that aren't real, right? <laughs> and, and then beets, like this strange purple vegetable. <laughs> and yams. And cucumber. And like the list could go on and on about all the different type of vegetables. It, they're good. God said it was good. And think about this just for a moment with me, the different types of fruit, the colors, the sizes, the flavors, the tastes. Anyway, just like, what are you, what's your favorite type of fruit? You guys say it louder. Apple, peach, strawberries. Do you have any other? Mango, yes, I'm with you people. Mango, like just, just think about this for a moment, the different type of fruits that God made on the third day of creation. Think about watermelon. And think about the sizes, the colors, grapes, apples, bananas, mangoes, peaches, le lemons? No, no. No one, no one yelled lemons? Kiwis, blueberries, blackberries when they're ripe. Those are the most amazing things. Friends, I want you to see this. Fruit is actually an apologetic for God, I believe. I believe all the different varieties of vegetables, of fruits, show that there's a creator. Like the different colors, the shapes, the tastes, the sizes. So someone had to make all that. So just think about that. That, that can even be, bring up a conversation with someone. Like, why do you think a peach tastes like that, banana tastes like that? And they're, they're so different. Because someone made them. God made them. Think about this also, plants and fruits on day three, they came before the sun. So if there are millions of years in between, how, how does that work? I just want to keep pointing out some discrepancies. If we say it's not a literal 24-hour day. Again, verse 13, the repetition, there was evening and there was morning. My translation says the third day, but it should say a third day. Before going to the fourth day, I just want to, to point out one thing. What about the angels? Right? What, what about the angels? Because Job uh, 38, verses 4 to 7 says this. Again, when Job's talking about creation, or, or God's talking about creation to Job, he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or, or who stretched the line upon it? Or... What were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, that sons of God, that would be angels. So seemingly angels were there on day four as God created. We have that record in Scripture, but we don't, it doesn't tell us when they were created. But for sure they were created before day four. But if you notice in Genesis, the story is not about angels. It's about God creating the heavens and the earth, 
and creating all these things for, for living life. Preparing the way for humans so we, we'd give him glory. But we'll talk more about angels in the future in our study in, in Genesis. I just have to point out, God created angels before day four. I don't, I don't know when. There's, there's many theories on that. But if you look at me at the a fourth day, Genesis 1, 14 to 19. It's a number of things I want us to see here. Genesis 14, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night. So plural, let there be lights. And where in the expanse, expanse that he made in, in day two as he stretched it out. Again, he made the place where he was going to place them. And what's the purpose of these lights? Second part of verse 14, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Just think about this for a moment. Let them be for signs. Sarfati says this, for centuries before the compass, travelers and sailors navigated by the stars. There's, there's signs of God's faithfulness as we start thinking about the sun. There, there's signs of what God is doing. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Think about the seasons, the weather. You know, winter, like what comes after winter? Is it, is it spring right now? And so that's here, get this though. We all know it's not. It feels like it outside. That's sometimes what it's like as a Christian. You're made new. You're born again, but yet you still live in this broken world. And sometimes you get, just get these great kind of foretastes of glory to come, fellowship with other believers, worship before the Lord, but you, we're not there yet. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's still winter. But we know because God created seasons, we know spring's coming. You can be like the longest winter, like the snow doesn't stop coming, but we know it'll end. Because God created seasons. I'm, pa I'm passionate about weather. <laughs> and God created days. Literal days? <laughs> yeah, this is talking about literal days. Think about it's one rotation of the axis of the earth, right? That, that would be a day. And think about how we measure time. When, you're, when you have a child that's very young, how old is your baby? 10 days, 20 days. And at some point, you, you go to months. Right, you transition there and sometimes to years. It just reminded me, I remember my kids were fairly younger, my one child, and went to a restaurant. She's like, oh, how old's your child? I was like, oh, I don't know, like 15 months. And then the person said, oh, mine's like 38. And I was like, what point do you quit using months and start changing? That's a, just a random thing. So days, but think about how we measure time, like birthdays. Like, this, this is the day I was born, and we, we celebrate that, and anniversaries and other things. We use days, and it also gives us signs for years, right? One rotation around the earth, or sorry, around the sun. So we, how many years have, have you been married? How many years have you been at your job? How long have you been in school? How old are you? We use years, and hopefully not for this. Like, how long has that been in the fridge? I don't know about you. Sometimes there's sauces. I'm like... I don't even remember buying this. It's surely still good, though. No. But think about this. The one who made time in verse 1, in the beginning, God gave us the ability to keep time. The one who made time gave us the ability to keep time. In verses 16 and 17, and 
God made the two great lights, the, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. He, I want you to see here, friends, here are objects to remind us to worship God. God made the two great lights. He said to rule the day and to rule the night. What he means like dominate. One generates light, the other reflects it, but both serve their function. Think about the sun here with me just for a moment, the greater light. If the sun were the size of a basketball, the earth would be a peppercorn. Like that's how much bigger the sun is. Like you can, you can fit almost 1.3 million earths into the sun, like volume-wise. Like that's how massive the sun is. The sun is approximately 147.2 kilometers away from the earth. If it were any closer, it would evaporate our water, kill trees, plants. Any further away, everything would freeze. It's made perfect for life on earth. The sun, right? The tilt, I don't know if you know, like the tilt of the sun is at 23.5 degrees. But it's a perfect angle again any more freeze, any, any less, everything would burn up. Like unbelievable, almost as if there's like absolute order <laughs> to creation. Did you, did you know this? And my, my wife was arguing with me about this, but I'm quoting someone, so it's, it must be true. But <laughs> Sarfati says this, the sun is white, the sun is white, not yellow, which can be carefully seen when it's behind clouds in the middle of the day. That's why snow Clouds and the moon are white, not yellow. They're scattering white sunlight. And, the, and part of the reason we see it as yellow is because the radiation that comes off, I guess, is in, in the green and yellow spectrum of light. And that's what our eyes can see most clearly. But think about this. Well, as, we, as we talk about the moon, the moon's actually like black, like moon rock we've probably seen. But it's the sun reflection off the moon, that makes it white. So I don't know, it blew my mind the sun was white. But you can look it up and we can, you can be on my wife's side and it's, that's fine. So think about, the, so there's the sun, there's the greater light, and then there's the moon, the lesser light. And just a few things about the moon. So obviously less mass, so less gravitational pull. It's like one-sixth the mass of the earth. So it's like one-sixth the gravitational pull. I don't know, has anyone ever wanted to like, low gravity, jump around. That's, I don't know, that's always been a dream of mine in basketball. I wish I could have used that on the court. Everyone falls down, I'm floating, but it's just a dream. So <laughs> Here, here's one huge thing about the, the moon that I want to bring before your attention. You already know this. The moon controls the tides of the oceans, high tide, low tide. But think about the purpose of this. This is from a, a, a book we're using with our kids in homeschooling on astronomy. If the moon were no longer in the sky, our oceans would not have tides. God gave us a moon that has enough gravity to pull on the ocean's water. As the tide comes in and goes out, it, it cleanses the shoreline. The motion caused by the tides also refreshes the water. Still water can get stagnant. And the tides keep the ocean from getting dirty. God designed earth with a moon to keep the oceans fresh and clean. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I think the sun and the moon are, are, uh, is a memory aid to praise him. How, how do you remember things? Sometimes if you need to take medicine, maybe you take, maybe write a note. You want to call someone, you put a reminder on your phone. 
Maybe sometimes the best reminder are physical reminders. You want to run or you want to start exercising. Put your like shoes in the middle of the hallway so you can run into them. Like you want to start a habit maybe of getting into the Bible more. You put the Bible right on the table where you're going to put your dinner plate. Like physical reminders help us to remember things. But I think about this. All through the week as I've been studying this passage and I'm looking outside and I'm like, oh, that's the greater light. I see the sunshine. I see the trees. And I think, well, that's, that's the creator. He made that. Right? That's our problem. Even if you spend some time, you're reading the Bible, you're praying, and then we go about our day, and we're just doing all sorts of things. We need to focus on our things. But we need more reminders to keep reminding us that God is in the heavens, reigning on his throne, and he made everything. And so as we feel the warmth of the sun, or you see the sun shining, or the moon at night, you're like, oh, that's a reminder to praise the one who made it. It's a reminder to praise him, to give thanks to him. And look at the the end of verse 16. And the stars. It's almost like an afterthought. Made the sun, the greater light, the moon, the lesser light, and the stars. Try try to to catch this. This is from Sarfati. Trying to put it in a perspective of how many stars there are out there. The observable, observable universe is so huge. 46 billion light years radius, whatever that means, very big, <laughs> that it's estimated to contain about 10 to the 22nd, 10 to the power of the 22 stars. This number is so fast that even using a computer that could count a trillion of those every second, it would take over 300 years to count that high. That's how many stars are. And the stars. <laughs> Like that, that's amazing. Just think about this with me for a moment. So astronomers in times past, they're like, back in the day before they had a telescope, they're like, oh, okay, 3,000 in one hemisphere, 3,000 in another. They created a telescope. And they're like, okay, with Galileo, like 30,000. Okay, 30,000. Then with our modern day telescope, we get the, the number that I just, whatever that number is, like it's just so vast and so huge. I don't know, have you ever spent time gazing up at the stars? How amazing that is? I remember when I first became a Christian, if I was home late at night, I would just stand there and just like, wow, it's amazing. When we spent time down in, in Haiti because there was no lights, because there's no like, you know, electricity at nighttime, just the, the stars that we'd see was so magnificent. Isaiah 40 verse 26 says this. Isaiah is speaking to the people, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, he who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Think about this, but the, the stars, they don't have a, a ruling function like the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. Just think about this too, as people turn to like astrology. Like, no, no, the, the stars are not meant to guide us to guide our fate, but they're meant to just show us that there's a creator and we're to praise him. Like ancient civilizations, I don't know if you study them, like, like the Egyptians, how they built the great pyramids, and I think those ones line up with like the stars of Orion. I could be wrong on that. Like 
different cultures like the Mayans, how they built pyramids and then certain, the light would shine down at certain times at Chichen Itza. And we're like, we see these cultures and we're like, wow, how amazing, how advanced. They're so smart. Instead, we should, we look up and we're like, what, who put those stars in the sky? Like, that's amazing. How phenomenal is that? Again, should call us, bring our focus to the Lord. Remember, friends, he spoke the sun and the moon and the stars into existence. That is our God. Do you see how big and powerful he is? Like just whatever your week is, maybe sometimes you're having a good week. The sun is shining. Praise the Lord. He made the sun. Sometimes you're having a bad week, but you still that sun shining. You're like, oh, yeah, he spoke that into existence. Whatever you're dealing with, you're like, oh, yeah, my God is so much bigger. He made the heavens and the earth. He stretched out the the sky as a canopy just to place the stars in. If you're counting one trillion every second, it would take 300 years to get those stars. That's our God. So just think when when we're dealing with some of the garbage that's out there, think about how big God is. And let's turn to him and trust him. And praise him. Friends, the more you learn about our creation, I believe it gives you more reasons to praise him. Think about scientists of old. They saw order. They had a belief in a creator, and so they committed to studying his creation, and they'd see his intricacies, his precision, his genius. Listen to this study, or this quote, I'll tell you who said it. After the harmony of natural law, creation, the harmony of natural law reveals an intelligence of such superiority that all the systematic thinking of human beings is utterly insignificant. That was Albert Einstein. Right? Like, they, that's why they could study things. Because they knew that the Lord had made things with order. I would just encourage you, study creation, study weather, study the stars, geology, build a garden, watch how God grows it, go out hiking in his beautiful creation, snorkeling in his waters. If you have the skill to paint and to draw the beauty of his artwork, that is everywhere. Again, just finishing there, Genesis 1, 17 to 19, And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day, or it should say, again, a fourth day. But friends, is it it enough just that we're like acknowledged, like, okay, yes, there's a creator. Someone, Someone made this. The Bible calls that general revelation. They just say you acknowledge that God made it. In Romans 1.20, Paul wrote this about God. His invisible attributes, namely his internal, eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly, clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Everyone's without excuse. Because as we look around, like someone made this. But more than general revelation, we have a specific revelation who made this the God of the Bible. And friends, we can know, again, this God intimately through Jesus Christ, who came down and entered into our time and space. 
Again, what does it say there in Genesis 1.14? God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let, there, let them be for signs and for seasons and days and years. And just think about this with me for a moment as I, as I close. Think about the signs and seasons of days relating to Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus' birth. The sign that, that the angels appeared in the sky, that he was born in Bethlehem. Think about the years. Jesus' birth, right? We keep, how do we keep track of years? We keep track of them by the sun, by our rotation around the sun. But how do, how do we keep track of years? We keep track of them based on the sun, S-O-N, based on Lord Jesus Christ. God created time so we could mark it. And then Jesus Christ came down, and using the time that he gave us, we could mark when he was born. And think about the season in which he came. Just think about this with me for a moment, the perfect season. Jesus Christ came when there was a common language in the world, the Greek language. It had been spread by Alexander the Great 300 years previous. So everyone had this common language. He came at a time when the, the Romans were conquering everyone, so there was a Roman peace. There weren't wars everywhere because the Romans had destroyed everyone, Pax Romana. And he came at a time where, where they said all roads lead to Rome. And then there was this amazing system of travel for commerce. So Jesus Christ came at a time where the perfect season in which the message of the gospel would go out because there was a common language Greek, there was peace within the nation, and then there was road system to move up and down. He came within that season. Friends, think about this, Jesus' death on the cross, this season that it happened in Passover, and how do they know which Passover to keep? Well, because of the moon, <laughs> right? Because of the, oh, a full moon, and they would count how many it is, and this is when we're going to keep the Passover, because as John the Baptist said about Jesus, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what happened while well, he was on that cross? The sun, the sun was darkened for three hours, a sign in the heavens, something is going on. And the day that it happened, the day that we call Good Friday, and it's good for us because the one who is innocent died for us, the guilty. And how amazing is that? I don't know about you. I confess I'm not a saint. I'm a sinner. And standing before God upon my own, I have no hope. But when I put my faith and trust in the righteous one, and have his perfect life credit to my account. God looks at me and calls me a saint. How amazing is that that the perfect one, the sinless one, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Took the punishment we deserve and then was buried in the grave. And he rose again, defeated death. My question is, do you know that Savior? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you put your faith in him? It's not enough to say, yes, there's a creator. Because friends, our sin, our wrong against God, our wickedness in our hearts, we stand against, we stand removed from God's presence. But through the love of Jesus Christ, we did on the cross. We put our trust in him. We surrender our life to him. We're, bo we're born again. We're made new. and We are in a right relationship with our creator. How amazing is that? And just think about this, just for one more moment, his, his second coming. In Matthew 24, 29 to 31, 
it said this, after a time of tribulation upon the earth, a time of suffering, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Think about that as God created that in Genesis when Jesus Christ is returning. And they drop out of the sky at his return. And, and it says in verse 36 of Matthew 24, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. We don't know that day, but we anticipate it's coming. And a question we're all asking, is this the season? And I think we are, we are in the season. We're anticip- we should always be anticipating the Lord's return, but he's going to come on a day. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that day. And we talked about last week, in the future in heaven, there'll be no more need for the sun because God's glory, the light emanating from the lamb upon the throne will be all the light that we need. But, but we're still here. And how do we keep fixing our eyes towards God while living on this earth? Well, friends, one of the aspects is having creation remind us to keep looking up to our creator. The sky, the clouds, water and land, fruits and vegetables, a reminder. I I want you to have so many things that remind you that God is in the heavens. He made it all this week. (laughs) You eat some fruit, you eat some vegetables, you get the sun glaring in your eyes. You're out at night. You see the moon and the star. Ah, yes, he spoke them into existence. We serve a God who spoke it. Let creation turn our eyes to our creator. Let us lead us to thankfulness and praise. And may it help us continue to turn our attention to God Almighty, our time here upon this earth. If you bow with me, I'd like to close this time in prayer. Oh, Lord, how amazing you are. I praise you for how you created such things. I don't even begin to understand. But Lord, I pray you would seal this word in our hearts. Again, that's what, that which is from you, that which is from me, may I just fall to the side. Lord, may you help us to have eyes to see your handiwork everywhere. And may you use that to turn our hearts and our attention to you, O God. Help us to to keep the peace of Jesus Christ reigning in our hearts and minds. O Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.